Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. All right, if you would, please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 28. And we are in our second part of this series entitled Empowered. How many of you enjoyed Pastor John's message last week? The camels are coming. Great message. Well, today I'm going to talk to you about the power of the Spirit to bring goodness in your life. You know, the Holy Spirit of God is here to reveal to you the goodness of God. That is one of his main jobs. I guess it, if you call it his job, his main function, one of his main functions is to reveal to us, not only, not only to bring good things into our life and to ensure those things happen, but also to help us to be people of good works. People that do good. Can I get a good amen this morning? I'm going to ask for some class participation, but this morning, as you're turning to Matthew chapter 28, um, I want to just talk, show you a, a list of things today. Excuses why people don't go to church. Now, this applies to none of you, being that all of you are here today. But maybe you've heard somebody say this, or maybe you've said these things in the past. And we're going to apply these things to maybe a different area in your life and just see how much sense they make. Being that area taking a shower. Reasons not to shower. Number one, I was forced to as a child. Number two, people who make soap are only after your money. <laughs> I, I wash on special occasions like Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. <laughs> people who wash or take showers are hypocrites. They think they are cleaner than everyone else. <laughs> there are so many different kinds of soap, I can't decide which one is best. I used to wash, but it got boring, so I stopped. Number seven, none of my friends wash. <laughs> I've heard this one. The bathroom is never warm enough in the winter or cool enough in the summer. I'll start washing when I get older and dirtier. <laughs> and number 10, I just don't have the time. That just doesn't make sense, though, when it applies to the shower, does it? It doesn't make sense this other way either, but praise God, it kind of puts it in perspective for you. This is so you can go tell your friends who give you those excuses. All right, Matthew chapter 28, have you found it? Got a little ringing in this microphone. Can Y'all can hear that, right? Okay, I'm not totally losing it up here. Our Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee. How many were there? There were eleven disciples that went away. Judas had already hanged himself at this point. Into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, that is, they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. But some doubted. They're standing there looking at the risen Savior and some of them are doubting what they're seeing. These are not the guys who have to see it to believe it. <laughs> they see it and they still don't believe it. Some of this group of 11 men are doubting what they're seeing. That encourages me today. Hmm? That encourages me today. That, that faith, faith, walking by faith has nothing to do with what you're looking at. It's looking into the things that are unseen. Because the things that are unseen are really the real things. 
The Bible teaches us that everything that we see here in the natural came out, everything that we see in the visible came out of the invisible. It came out of these invisible words from an invisible God who said, light be, and out of that invisible word became visible things. So the essence of who you are today is invisible. Your spirit and your faith causes you to access, to bring into the visible what is invisible. You have the same power inside of you. I don't know why I said that, but somebody probably needed it. Verse 18, some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power, how much power? All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That kind of takes care of everything, doesn't it? Go you therefore and teach all nations. Now he's talking to disciples here that we read about that some of them were doubting. So these aren't the most stable guys at this moment. And he gives them this job, to, this commission, go into all the world to all nations. Eleven men, it's your job to go to all the world. Well, that's, that's a... That's, that's, that's a tough, tough job, Jesus. You expect us 11? Well, some of us here are not real sure what's going on right now. To accomplish what you just said, to accomplish this impossible task, go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Jesus gives these 11 men virtually an impossible task to do because he's really showing us something wonderful. He's really showing us how to depend on God here. He says, I've got all power in heaven and in earth. You go therefore. He believes enough in his power to make crazy statements like that. <laughs> to us, it's crazy. To him, it's just normal living. I have all power in heaven and earth. What he's saying is, nothing is impossible. Nothing's, nothing is impossible for you. Go, therefore, and teach all nations. Now, a little while later, we come to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Turn there for just a moment. And we see this incredible statement that Jesus made here. He gives them this thing to think about, going to all the world. Not just think about, but to go do. And I can imagine their minds are trying to calculate this in the natural, thinking, how in the world is this going to happen? How in the world is this going to happen? And this is our launching pad. This is our, our, our uh, foundation verse for this series, Empowered. And it says, but you, this is Jesus talking to them, but you shall receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's how. This is how we're going to accomplish this impossible task. It's going to take the power of the Spirit upon us. And later on in the book of Acts, he blew their mind. He, it blows my mind when I read this account in Acts chapter 2, the very next chapter. It says that uh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they're all sitting there. There's about 120 of them there. And the Bible says that 3,000 people were saved by that sign. They realized at that moment, and you and I need to realize at that moment, that in the natural that could not have happened. But when the Spirit of God began to fall upon the place, people began to surrender their lives to God. They saw this power, and it pulled them into the kingdom. Isn't that amazing? 3,000, God showing them, this is, how, this is how it gets done, gentlemen. 120 guys in one minute can be used to lead 3,000 people. This is how the gospel goes out in power. 
through the Spirit of Almighty God. And the sign was they spoke in other tongues. Now there was the rushing mighty wind, and there was the cloven tongues as a fire. But later on in Cornelius' house, when Peter goes over to Cornelius, this Gentile, which, you know, he never dreamed that he would be in a Gentile's house. I want to just make this clear today that not one Gentile was saved on the day of Pentecost. It was all Jews. And in their minds, they were still thinking. They were still thinking that the gospel was for the Jews. When Jesus told them all nations, they were thinking all nations, Jewish nations. And it wasn't until God opened Peter's mind, sitting on top of Simon the Tanner's house and brought that sheet down. He fell into a trance and saw this vision. The sheet came down on a four-footed beast and every creeping thing, the Bible says. And, and, and God tells Peter, arise, kill and eat. And Peter has the audacity to say, not so, Lord. Hmm? Because he, he, he's not thinking that way. He's thinking Jews. He's thinking only Jews are saved. Not so, Lord. And God says, don't call common what I've cleansed. You go. You go to Cornelius' house, and he, go, he steps in this Gentile's house. It was, a, it was a revolution for him. And steps in there and says, Of a truth, I perceive God is no respecter of persons. And he began to preach the gospel to him. It says, And when he told them, uh, Whoever believes on him shall receive remission of sins. Immediately the Holy Ghost fell on all those Gentiles, all those pagan dogs is what the Jews called them. Jesus called them a dog. And, and, and they all started speaking in tongues. Now, there wasn't any rushing mighty wind there, and there was no cloven tongues of fire. So the real, the real edification, I mean, the real... Um, uh, Evidence, that is, um, of, the, of the, the Spirit of God being upon your life, upon their life, was speaking in other tongues. And so it was from then on. When they laid hands on people, they spoke in other tongues. And so it is today with us. There is an indwelling. The moment that you receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, you have this indwelling, this Spirit. The Bible calls it in John chapter 4, a fountain springing up unto everlasting life. But then there's an ondwelling. Then there's an on-dwelling that takes place where the Spirit of God comes upon you and you have the evidence of it by speaking in other tongues. And this is out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Remember Paul said in Acts chapter 19, is it okay if we go a little bit through the Bible here? I'm supposed to do that. Yes. Acts chapter 19, Paul shows up and he says, ask these men, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Well, yeah, they had received the Spirit. But Paul's talking about the other experience of the Holy Spirit. And they said, we hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And so they laid hands on and they began to speak in other tongues. An amazing thing. And, and so it's through that thing, that on-dwelling, the, the Spirit of God coming upon you, that empowers you to be a witness. It's, it's an amazing thought. Now, I want us to, uh, I mean, you know, I was thinking about this a couple of days ago. I was down, in, Heather and I were down in the San Antonio area for vacation this last week. And we were in New Braunfels on Friday night. My niece and nephew were both in a play there uh, where they, they took all these Broadway uh, songs, uh, like these, these big hits, and, and they, they sang them throughout the night, you know, from Phantom of the Opera and Les Miserables and Jekyll and Hyde and uh, Annie and I don't know all, all of them, but uh, it, was, it was really cool. And my little nephew had a solo part. And, uh, but the first, the first thing happened that they came out on the stage, and this man who had a really nice voice, strong voice, powerful, sang really high, came out, and he began to sing, and we noticed his microphone wasn't on, so it was very hard to see or hear. Heather and I were sitting toward the back of the auditorium, and, and then the music came in and overpowered him, and then the other singers came in, and they overpowered him because all their mics were on and his was off. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that right there is a lot of Christians. That's a lot of Christians right there who are not leaning on the power of the Holy Spirit, so when they speak, it has no influence. And when they, whatever they do, it doesn't, have, it doesn't have much influence because the things of this world are drowning them out. And the voice of the devil is drowning out. The devil rolls about like a roaring lion, the Bible teaches us. A roaring lion is a loud lion, right? 
Now, he's not a lion, but he sounds like one. Are you hearing me? And you've got to get louder than him. And the only way that you can really, truly get louder than him is through the power of the Spirit of God. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen? And what the Spirit of God will do, see, is that in your own ability, see, you, you, are, you are simply limited to just your own ability. But when the Spirit of God is on you and when he's in you, you become empowered beyond what you could ever do alone. And he takes what you have and he amplifies it for the world to see and hear. Isn't that beautiful? He empowers you from merely having potential to living in your potential, walking in your potential. Now turn over to Matthew chapter 7 with me. Matthew chapter 7, the first book in the New Testament. And we're going to look at verse 7, Matthew 7, 7. And Jesus is speaking here and he says, ask and it will be given unto you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Isn't this wonderful? Listen to the language of the Lord Jesus. All right? Now, he's, he doesn't put any conditions on that. We're the ones that always put, on, put conditions on it. Well, you know, you got to know how to ask right, and, and, and you know, you got really to really be sincere, and, and, and you got to do this and that. Did he say any of that? How come we're always filling it up with our religion? When we can just take him at his word, he says, ask, it'll be given to you. If you can believe that, that sounds too good to be true. Well, you're half right. It is too good, and it's true. Praise God. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be able to. This is all very positive, isn't it? Hmm? There's no maybe. There's no wishful thinking. There is absolutes. There are absolutes, I should say. Let's go to the next verse. For everyone... Who asks, receives. Well, I didn't get mine. I'll ask and I didn't get nothing. Hmm? I can already hear it. I can already hear it. For everyone who asks, receives. Now, is he, is he telling us the truth here today? Hmm? Everyone who asks, receives. Ladies and gentlemen, we just got to believe this. We just got to believe this is true. Either it really is that simple, and we've just complicated it so much, or this is just a lie. I, I, I believe I'm at fault here. I don't think Jesus' words are at fault. I don't think he's lying to me. I believe if I didn't get what I asked for, I believe there was an error on my part. Somewhere, somewhere I quit believing. Somewhere my faith was short. Huh? Can we just be honest enough to say that, to examine our own faith? Because, you know... As a true disciple of Christ, you're going to be challenged on your faith. Let's just look at it for just a moment. How many times did Jesus turn to his disciples and say, Oh, you of little faith. Where was your faith? You couldn't do it because you had no faith. And we get so offended. Oh, I've got, I've got all the faith I need. So, so delicate and so. But if you're going to be a true believer, a true disciple, you're going to need to answer that question. Where was my faith? <laughs> it dropped off somewhere back there, I guess, Jesus. But you know what? Believe again. Believe again. Believe again. Are you hearing me? God is not just the God of second chances. He's the God of many chances. I am witness to that today. Huh? Any other witnesses today that God is a God of many many chances. Huh? If that wasn't true, he would not have said, where sin abounded, grace did much 
more abound. Ask and you receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. And whoever seeks finds. And whoever knocks the door will be opened unto him. Ah, listen to this. Verse 9, this is so good. Or what man is there of you? If his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. Hmm. He gets real specific here about, about asking. I think it's wonderful. He says, if he asks for a fish, what dad is going to go, ah, eat this rock instead? Hmm? Or if he asks for a, asks for a, a, a piece of bread, he's going to give him a, a snake. That's, that's, he says, if you then, being evil, know how to give... What? Oh, man. See, this, 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 religion hates this talk. Because, because religion says, well, you just never know what God's going to do. You just never know what... I mean, you can ask, but God probably knows... He knows better than you. And so, so he, it's always for your good if, if you don't really get what you ask for. It's almost what they're saying. Hmm? God keeps you in a guessing game. You can ask for it, but <laughs> I'm going to do something else because I'm God. And I want to keep proving my sovereignty to you. Just keep a guessing game going on. Go ahead and ask. <laughs> you want that? <laughs> I've got something better in store for you. No, 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 no. Let's, let's slow down. Jesus is teaching. Is he teaching us what the Father's teaching him? Yes. Is he saying what God is telling him? That's what he says. He says, I don't say anything outside of what my Father tells me. He says, if you then being even know how to give good gifts. So my question is, did he not just define a good gift as giving the child what he asked for? Yes. If he asks for bread, the good gift is bread. Bread in itself is not necessarily a good gift or fish is, I mean, yeah, unless you're hungry. But it's not the fact that it was bread or fish or an egg. It's the fact that it was what he asked for. And Jesus said, that's a good gift. If you know how to give a good gift, that is what they asked for, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? God, forgive us for ever doubting that you wanted to give us what we asked for. Forgive us for our religion. Forgive us for all the doubt. Forgive us. Forgive us. Help us to just believe this message, to believe this word that you really are that good that you want to supply what we've asked for. According to Jesus, the definition of a good gift is getting what you asked for. <laughs> I love it. When I was a kid, I asked for a Hot Wheel. Any Hot Wheel lovers in here? I loved Hot Wheels. Me and my brother, we collected them and played with them all the time. And my mom was heading, we were heading to Gainesville one time uh, to uh, the local store. And we wanted, I asked mom to get us a Hot Wheel. So we were sitting in the car. Back then, you could leave your kids in the car. I don't know why that was okay, but... They frown on that today. <laughs> We're sitting out there in a little baby blue pinto with the windows down, you know, waiting for mama to get done shopping. And uh, so mom went inside. We told her what we wanted. She came out, and she, she has this package to me. And it's not a Hot Wheel. It's, it's this five-pack instead, you know. 
And she's thinking, you know, for the same price, I can get a five-pack. And it's just those little die-cast little cars that had no substance to them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They're just a little mold of a car? That, I didn't like that. That's not what I asked for. And I told her so, and I should not have told her so. But I did tell her. And I was so sorry that I ever brought that up. Can't really fault mom, though. You know, we kind of grew up together. She had me when she was 17 years old. So, uh, you know, we're just working life out together. Now, now what she's done is just, just quit trying to figure out what I want, and she just gives me cash. I like that. Christmas time comes around, I know I'm getting dollar bills. Praise God. And cash is always good. Amen? <laughs> That's always a good gift. But, you know, I... I but I remember that, not that I fought my mother or anything. I kind of do. I'm kind of still waiting for that hot wheel. But, but I, it, that stuck in my mind, that I asked for something, and I didn't get it. I didn't get what I asked for. I got something kind of like it, but it wasn't it. This is not how your heavenly father works. It's not how he works. I was sitting one time in a church service out in West Texas, and I had I have guitars coming into my life, and I give guitars away, and I've taught a lot of students over the years, and, and many times just giving them a guitar if they didn't have one, because God blessed me, and, and by doing that, I've had them just come through my life, and so it rolls like that, and so I had, I had run out of electric guitars at this, at this time, and I was sitting in a church service, and I thought toward God, while the pastor was preaching, I just thought toward God, God, I'd like to have an electric guitar again. I don't have one, and it was that sound. I didn't even utter it. I just thought toward God. And the church service ended about 45 minutes later. And, and a, a friend of mine that was in church, he was our bass player on our worship team, he said, he said Eric, come here with me. And, and he took me to the back of the church. But there behind the stage, we had these rooms where we had like guitar cases and all that kind of stuff back there. And he reaches and picks up this, this guitar case. And I knew he had, it was his electric guitar that he had just for spare in case we needed one in church. And he said, while we were sitting in church, God told me to give this to you. Now, come too late to tell me that God does not give you what you asked for. I didn't even ask for it. I just thought about it. And God said, I'll do it. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Don't be afraid. Jesus, remember how specific he got. If he asked for a piece of bread, what are you asking for? What is it that you're asking? What good thing is it that, what, what thing is it that you need in your life? What is it that you're desiring? Jesus said, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you it just might work out for you if you really, really try. Hmm? We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll spin the big wheel in heaven. And if it lands on your number, your heavenly Father wants to give you what you ask for. And when Jesus defined a good gift, I love this. And then later on in James, it teaches us every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Which means he will never change his mind. He will always be about bringing good gifts into your life. And those good gifts are what you ask for. Praise God. Why don't you give him a praise this morning? <laughs> Woo! And then this is a really wonderful verse. Look at Luke chapter 11. It's the same topic here. But Luke says it a little different way and shows us a wonderful revelation. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. 
Jesus goes through that list of things. You know, if your son asks for this, but if you then being evil, right here, 13, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give what? <sighs> give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. God, are, you, are these two guys saying different things or are they saying the same thing? One says he'll give you good things. The other says he'll give you the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit embodies every good thing you're looking for. He is here to ensure and to empower you to have the good gifts. Are you hearing me today? That he, when he's on the scene, goodness is on the scene. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 says, We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may know the things that have freely been given to us by God. Hallelujah. He is there to make sure that you're getting what God has for you. He's there to ensure that those promises come to life in your life. He's there to ensure the good things are on their way. Content Jesus, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 says, Now Christ has become our high priest of the good things to come. Praise God. And the Holy Spirit, see, is listening to Jesus. Jesus taught us this in John 14 and then John 16. He said, I don't speak on my own authority, but whatever the Father tells me. And then he said, then he said the Spirit doesn't speak on his own authority, but what I tell him. Well, who's speaking to you today? The Spirit of God. You got to get this. So the Father tells the Son. The Son tells the Spirit. And the Spirit tells you. Do you know why it works like that? Do you know why God, God chose to do it that way? Because He made this statement, in, a, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. So by the time... That word comes from the Father and goes to the Son. And that word goes from the Son and goes to the Spirit and leaves the mouth of the Spirit to your ears. It's a done, established deal. What an amazing thought. It's an accomplished word by the time it falls on your ears. That's why you can believe it every time. God makes sure that his word will never return void. And he is sure that good things, good things are in store for you. Turn to Romans chapter 8, and we'll finish with this. Let me back up that lie. We'll start to finish with this. <laughs> I used to have this pastor. <laughs> it wasn't Pastor John. I worked four years ago. He'd get to preaching. I mean, he loved his preaching, as every preacher does. And he'd get up there, and man, he'd be going about 35, 45 minutes, get into it, and he'd say, and that was just the introduction. <laughs> oh, God, are you kidding me? <laughs> Thought you were wrapping this up, Pastor. You're just getting warmed up. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, if you found it. But if we hope for what we do not see, then do we with patience wait for it? Let me ask you today, how many of you are here hoping for something and you're waiting on it right now? You have something you're hoping for and you're waiting on it 
right now. You know, the Bible teaches us to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We love the faith talk, but it's that patience talk. (laughs) But we're waiting. I've got things in my life I'm waiting for. I'm believing God. We've got to hope for Him. Waiting for Him patiently. Look at this. Likewise, or in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. My gosh, just like you are hoping for what you're not seeing, the Spirit is hoping for what He's not seeing yet. In the same way, the weaknesses in your life, the Holy Spirit is not expecting you to stay weak. He's not expecting you to stay infirmed. He has a hope for you. Just like you hope for what you do not see and you're patient to wait for it, He hopes that you are going to get strong. Come on, this is good news today. This is good news. God's not expecting you to fail. Well, He's done this before. I've just sat back and watched this, Gabriel. Watch this, Jesus. Watch this. This guy just keeps on falling off the cliff. Right about this, right about this part. Watch this, watch it, watch this. No, no, no. No, the Spirit of God has a hopeful expectation for you. In the same way, in the same way, He helps you in your weaknesses. Listen, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought. Now, I know how to pray, and I love to pray, but I don't always know what to pray. I mean, I can quote the Word and speak the Word, but there are times when I need the Spirit of God to get real specific. Are you hearing me? Listen to me. Listen to this. We don't know what, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be put into words. And he that searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for you, the saints, according to the will of God. I might not, 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 I might not always know what the will of God is in a situation, but if I'll start praying in the Spirit, then I can know that the will of God is being prayed in that situation. Man, you can't have any more surety than that. Well, we just never know what the will of God is. Praying in the Spirit, you'll know. I don't know what the will Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. That's the power. It's all the power that you need to make sure that the will of God is being prayed for your life. And listen to this. Verse 28, the very famous verse that we've quoted all these years. But that verse could not exist without knowing what happened before. That the Spirit of God is praying what? What for you? The will of God. And we know that all things, everybody say all things. you got to get this. Say it again. All things work together for good to those who love God. And are the called according to His Spirit. You're telling me that that verse tells us that the will of God for us is good? You're telling me that verse says that the will of God, no matter what situation I find myself in, that all things are to work together for good? That's His will? And what's good? What's the good thing? What you asked for. My, my, my. Somebody shout amen with me this morning. So good. God is bringing good things into our life. And the revelation that He's doing that is by the Spirit of Almighty God. 
making sure and keeping us abreast, keeping us in the knowledge of God's goodness. And I love what the scripture says. The apostle Paul teaches us that it's the goodness of God that leads us to what? Repentance. It's not, a, it's not condemnation. It's not shame preaching. It's the goodness of God. And I hope some of you today are in this room today are repenting. I hope some of you today are changing the way you think about God and how He sees you and, how, and understand today that He loves you. He is for you. He is on your side. And when He's with you, nothing's impossible. When God is with you, nobody can stand against you. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.